today on Casa de Confidence, we have Benita Tyler. She talks about how she found her voice and confidence to learn to advocate for herself in a male-dominated industry. And she's now teaching other career women to find their voice and live out loud. Welcome to Casa de Confidence. A podcast for women. And some cool dudes. Going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. And your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Julie DeLuca Collins in Hello, Miami still. Hello. Daniel Collins. How are you? Coming to you live from 305. You always say coming to you live, but this is a recording. You well, actually, it's live you, right now. Well, it's kind of funny because you say it as soon as you start talking to our guest, Benita. <laughs> like, I do? To, you say it in the recording, too. And oh, I'm, leaving I'm nothing it there. but predictable, am you I not? Are, you are consistent. You know what? No. Consistent traction gets you what? No. Consistent action gets you traction. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, anyway, I need to be more consistent. And there's something we usually always ask in our podcasts. And we we haven't been doing it consistently. But Julie, what are you drinking? I'm drinking water right now. Yeah. I got to hydrate. The sun here is killing me. There's something to be said. It could be 90 degrees in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And maybe at night is going to cool off to the 80s. Ooh, but wait a minute. Guess what? What? Guess what starts today in Connecticut? Rain. We're getting a heat wave. We're going to have mm. four plus days. I think four is the the heat wave trigger. Four mm-hmm. plus days of over 90 degrees. Well, So you're I, bringing Miami home with you tomorrow. I mean, I Tuesday. I am not bringing the Oh, you're sun. coming Tuesday, Let me right? Let tell you. I'm coming tomorrow. Yeah, Tuesday. And... I, it's Friday, I actually have a day, a girl's day plan. Oh, it's going to be hot. Uh, well, we're going to be sitting by the pool having adult beverages. Let's see the weather and, <laughs> and girl's day, it's going to be hot. Hot, I know. So. <laughs> Sorry. So <sighs> what, did you, what did you do on so, Sunday? Yeah, today, today is, yeah, what did you do today? My friend Debbie picked me up um, and then I went to visit both Debbie and Jim, who I have known since I was 24. I am thankful for Debbie and Jim because I got to go to their daughter's wedding in Tampa and I realized I love Tampa. (laughs) You love Tampa. Yeah, you're ready to move to Tampa. Um, So, yeah, so we had a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. They picked me up, went to their house. And Debbie, um, you know, time goes by so fast when we are, and, and they're empty nesters. Mm. So there was no kid coming oh, in and out. Yeah. Not that I missed the kids. I mean, I did miss the kids. Uh, two of their kids are my godchildren. Um, but Valerie is married now. 
Scott is climbing the corporate we, ladder. We were at their wedding, so yeah. I, and I and then yes, and then um, <laughs> Melanie is in the Navy, and and Raymond, the baby, graduated <sighs> high school, and he is now off to the army. So Jim and Debbie are. I'm really you know, fighting. I'm fighting my my instincts to sing YMCA. No. Not YMCA. There are other songs in the Navy. Okay. In do you know? Do, do you know do, that do, you do, can do, do, sail do, do, the seven seas? I'm not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. Okay. Not doing it. Fine. That's, it's, but, see, that's I'm so earworms get me every time. All you have to say yeah, is do. a certain sequence of words, and I just gotta sing. It's do you annoying. think you're programmable then? Programmable? Probably. Yeah, like you could be easily programmed. Oh, no, I am not uh-huh. usually programmed. Uh-huh. I am going <laughs> to test this theory and start to play things at night while you sleep. No, it's not playing. You got you to gotta say a sequence of words are a part of an earworm-ish no. song. I'm and see going to program you while you sleep. <laughs> okay, program me while I sleep. And maybe when I wake okay. up in the morning, I will do things that you need. I will do your bidding and I won't even know it. You do my bidding and you don't even know it as it is. Wow. <laughs> I, knew hey, by I, the way. I knew I was being manipulated. <laughs> um, anyway, Debbie uh, gave me a haircut, a much needed haircut. Um, I have not prioritized my haircut lately. Mm-hmm. And Debbie is a hairstylist and she was used to cut my hair mm. for a long time. And she knows my hair the best. Um, so I said, can you cut my hair? And she's like, yep, let's do it. And, uh, she did, she did a great job. Although Miami mm-hmm. heat, look, it's a little frizzy because we're did, in Miami. Did you not do more than just get your hair cut? Didn't you go someplace with no. her? Or? Yes. So we went to the winery, well, not her, and we went with them. Mm-hmm. We went to the winery. There's a winery here in the Redlands, which is farmland, which is kind of sad because this was the farmlands in... Miami, uh, before you get to Homestead. And now a lot of those farmlands and nurseries mm. are being turned into housing projects. So See, all these farms are for sale and the, the city a, is expanding. You know, that's just amazing because and I know my, my experience when I lived in Miami, um, Homestead, it was months after Hurricane Andrew, which occurred mm-hmm. in 1992 for people who don't remember that and people who didn't exist then mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah. and a lot of people homestead was in a state in in which it was barely inhabitable and mm. and it's good to see that that's come back and it's thriving and and doing wonderful and there's yeah. wonderful places for you to go get your drink on well, apparently Schnebly, and I think I'd been there before, but it was mm-hmm. just a shack, honestly. That's right. what I remember uh, from 1995 or maybe mm. 98. I don't know. But it was a shack. And now it is like a full-fledged, it's a winery, and they do a lot of very strong wines. Um, they have mango wine. They have, I don't know, mm-hmm. I gotta, so I, should, what did I you, should look them up. So what did you drink when you were there? So we did not go into the winery. Mm-hmm. We went into the back and we went to the brewery because they have a brewery in the back. I was going to say you went in the back. It sounds sketchy, but. 
Well, you know, it was my kind of place. Winery, brewery, and restaurant where you have dancing all Mm -hmm. in one. I I like it. I can't. I'm not going to lie. I wish I was here for longer to go there. But uh, the wines they have looked amazing. Mm -hmm. And they had a rosé, a watermelon rosé. I really was left with the intrigue of wanting to taste that. Right. Um, However, I had a... Daddy's Porter, which is a what? porter beer. Daddy's Porter. Had, You've been drinking yeah. the porters when we go out lately. Wait a minute. I got yeah. a question. Daddy's Porter. When no, you, I did not say it. When, wait a minute. I want to know. You didn't say, ooh, daddy. Or, no, I did not say minute. it. You're so predictable. Did you even say, <laughs> I poppy, since you're in no. Miami? No, did not. You know <laughs> I would not say that. Uh, no. What do you take me for? So Schnebly Winery. Yes. And been, so anyway, the Daddy's Porter, just so you know, mm-hmm. it had notes of coffee and chocolate. You're losing your New York accent. It had notes of coffee and chocolate. <laughs> coffee and chocolate. <laughs> it was delish. No, I like you. It's starting to talk normal. No. <laughs> like that from the Rhode Island accent over there? Give me a break. Hey, it's a Northeastern Connecticut accent. And hey, by the way. It's only when I'm tired or, you know, yeah. had a couple. I meant to ask you a question last week. Mm-hmm. Well, when you dropped me off at the airport in Hartford, Connecticut. Yes. Um, And I was going to ask you and... Now I forgot what I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. Um, how are your um, How are your Red Sox doing, honey? My Red Sox are in. I think they're in third place now. I think Tampa Bay is uh, ahead of them. Try fourth place. Oh, really? I haven't looked in a while. Well, how are your Yankees doing? You know, you're very bold, and you bring this up when your team is in first place <laughs> in dominating baseball. I haven't. My heard... team always dominates. Really. I, Listen, why haven't you mentioned your team for several years when they haven't been dominating them? They've been dominating. They've been building up, rebuilding. Those were rebuilding years. All right. I'm going to make it easy for you. Yes. Name one outfielder from the Yankees right now. Well, you know, first of all, that's not what we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> but just, I just wanted to mention that the last game we had. Okay. What was the score of that game? The last game, Yan- you, Yankees-Red Sox? Yeah. Well, aren't they playing? From yesterday. Didn't they play yesterday? The Yankees yes. won. And what was the score? I have no idea. Uh, 10 to 2. Try 13 to 2. Ah, oh, they got all their runs out in one game. Oh, Listen, I, have, I, have, oh. I have dogs going crazy over here. Oh, they're good. Uh, they're got good. Anyway, so yeah, so I just uh, wanted to say standard no. bet standing. There's no bet. The Red Sox are getting dusted. We always have a standard bet. Yeah, but the series is over, is it not? I oh, suppose oh. so. So did the, did the Yankees sweep the Red Sox, or did we beat them? I don't even know. I haven't been paying attention. We won. Sunday. We beat you. We beat the series, I think. I don't know. I got to look it up. <laughs> Shut up. Miami's getting to me, I guess. <laughs> Was, you know you're ridiculous. Was it a five or a three game series? It was. <laughs> is this sorry. a G rated podcast today? Because I would say <sighs> F off. Anyway, 
enough of this. Yes, Julie, I'm I'm happy for you that your sports team is doing well. Oh, yeah. And by the way, to to answer your question, not that I meant to change the subject. Mm -hmm. You really don't know that Aaron Judge is one of the outfielders for the Yankees. Come on. Nice. Nice way to research. My hands are right here, dummy. (laughs) Sure, dance. Good job, baby. I I appreciate you. You know, Aaron Judge. That's awesome. That's the only one I know, but okay. (laughs) All these, you know what? Everyone, everyone on these teams was born after like, I know, 1995 now. It's like, oh my gosh, where's the time gone? Anyway, uh, where's Derek Jeter when you want to feel young? I know. Hey, by the way, Mm -hmm. in another, another world news, and you know where I get my news, right? It's TikTok. Yes. J-Lo and Ben Affleck got married. They did. Oh, I, and knew, I knew it would last this time. <laughs> oh, my God. You're ridiculous. <laughs> so, so she you posted know a picture. I'm so happy on, for her? Why? Because she's no longer with that damn Yankee. <laughs> yeah, I agree with oh, you on that man. one. I agree with you on that one. But uh, listen, so she posted a story, and it said... <clears throat> I hashtag I Y K Y K. Do you know what that hashtag means? No, I don't even know the letters you just said. So just tell me what it is. It the hashtag is the initials for if you know you know. And she was oh, sitting oh, in bed. Oh, now I got it. If you know you know. All yeah. very happy and like she looked. She looks so gorgeous and beautiful. And well, I mean, she is, obviously, Halo. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I have a new appreciation for J-Lo. I don't think we've talked about this, but I saw the, I no, I shouldn't I say that. I have a huge appreciation further than what I had for her before. My appreciation is for how brilliant she is. If anybody hasn't watched the documentary from, from the halftime show, you have to watch it. She's a she, smart, driven individual she is intentional she is smart she is driven she's a hard worker and she's a freaking powerhouse so i love her i'm so happy that i got to watch her and i can't wait to watch her um more and she looked and then her hair hairdresser who i follow on tiktok posted the picture she wore like a very demure the kind of like 50 style wedding dress. It was lovely. It was lovely all around. Well, um, well, you know what? Speaking of smart, driven individuals. Yes. Tell us about our guest today. Benita Tyler is someone I met and I am enthralled with her. She is actually going to be participating on my radio show with a regular spot. Mm. So I'm super excited for that. Benita is an individual that... um I don't even know where to start. At the age of 19, she was a young mom, young wife, two young twins, and her husband was killed. Mm. And just when you think you can expect the unthinkable in your life, um, she picked herself up. You know, she had a lot of struggles. And now... Many, many years later, she has built a new life for herself. She overcame some of the doubt that 
can come in a corporate career where you second guess yourself or you lack confidence. She also worked at creating a happy blended family, which can come with a lot of difficulties. But she's an inspirational story, and I'm really happy that I'm getting to know her better. She's a guest on the show, and she inspires other women. Such amazing, I was going to say quiet wisdom, but um, innate wisdom is more like mm. it. Um, and she live, is living her life out loud. So happy that she is in my universe and that we come together for this conversation today. So I'm super excited to bring you this this conversation, people. Awesome. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. Without further wait, Benita Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Casa de Confidence. Today, I am coming to you live with my new friend, Benita. Benita Tyler. Welcome to Casa de Confidence. I'm so happy you're here. Where are you coming from? And tell us how we met and more about you. We want to learn all about who you are. All right. Well, thank you so much. So where we met was on Clubhouse, which I'm very excited because, you know, Julie, I'm kind of new on there. So it was exciting to to meet you and to kind of listen to what you were talking to uh, talking about, rather. And I was kind of drawn to you. And so, um, again, my name is Benita Tyler and I am an author, a life coach, a speaker, content creator. And I do a little bit of ghostwriting um, from time to time. And I live in Kokomo, Indiana, which is a really small town. Well, it's not really that small, but uh, I live here by way of my husband, who was born and raised here. But I actually grew up in San Diego, and I've lived in New Jersey and Texas. Well, you you know, it's funny because there's so many different intersections of everything that you've done and where you've lived and things that you do. And, and somehow we've intersected in one way or another. You know, I worked in New Jersey at one point. I used to travel to Texas. I used to travel to Indiana as well, which, I, by the way, when I met you uh, and we spoke for the first time, I thought, Kokomo, Indiana, I, it sounds like a place <laughs> I want to go because it sounds so tropical from the Beach Boys song, you know? <laughs> True. It sounds that way, but it's really just a small kind of factory town, mid-sized mm-hmm. factory town is what it is. Yeah. And and I'm still, you know, I, I want to visit as many places in the world as possible. So don't don't be surprised if or shocked if I ever come around your way. But <laughs> I, you, you have so much to your resume, to the list of things that you do. And I, I want to start with what your journey has been like, because I think that when we look at somebody's end product in life, right, we see what they're doing right now. Oh, wow. She's an author. She's a speaker. She does course creation. But where were you when you started out and what was your journey to get here? Well, I think that my journey to get here was always um, one of, one in which I always wanted to um, use my voice. And at some point in my life, I'd say maybe two or three times in my life, my voice was muted um, by somebody or something. And so growing up, I grew up in a single parent home, very lonely. It was just me, my mother and my sister. I didn't mm. have grandmothers, didn't have uh, grandparents, um, I guess, overall. And I didn't have family around me. And so I grew up, you know, fill in 
sort of isolated, always wishing that I had, you know, a connection. But the thing that Mm. I did always have was my smile and my personality. And so I kind of paved my way because my sister and I weren't very close. My sister was kind of like a bully growing up. She, you know, Mm. (laughs) was very mean to me. And my mother was a very strong person and she, you know, was always working and all that and stuff. So we grew up very independent. And so I had to kind of Mm -hmm. find my own way. And so I would say from, you know, just a young girl and, and then getting into high school is when I, and junior high school is when I really started to shine as far as friends and, and, you know, having my own life and being independent and, you know, starting to, you know, Mm-hmm. work jobs and things of that nature. Um, but when I say my voice was muted, it started um, with my self-esteem. Oh. Yeah. As a young girl, because um, I grew up and Julia, <laughs> this sounds kind of funny, but you know, I had these really little chicken stick legs and on top of those stick legs, I had like a high butt that kind of set up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I could be familiar with those. <laughs> And so I would always get teased um, and I guess they call it bullying these days, but I guess I, then I just thought I was just being teased and it, you know, was all for fun, but it wasn't fun for me. Uh-huh. And I would be um, teased about how high my butt sat on my back. And so as a result, I started to have like a complex early mm-hmm. on. And so even when I went to go try out for cheerleader in high school, for example, I didn't even want to take off my coat. I mean, I wore a coat on even the hottest of days I'd have that coat on. And um, when I tried out for cheerleader, a good friend of mine um, had me try out and I made it. But once I took off my coat, oh, my God, I had so much confidence Mm. and I was just like really a popular bright light in high school until until. until, Okay, (laughs) tell me until I got um, married. So I got married really young. And so part of the reason why I really wanted to get married was because of the fact that, you know, I didn't have any brothers and, right. you know, I, I wanted to ha- make a family make because a family. I've always, yeah, I always had that mater- maternal instinct. And so I got married when I was 21 years old mm. and my husband was 19 years wow. old. And when I think about that now, Julie, I'm thinking the absurdity of me thinking you know, that this could really work. He was a boy and I was not much young, you know, much older. You know, I I was engaged at 19. And if someone had said to me, oh my God, you're not old enough. What are you thinking? Your brain's not developed yet. You're not, I would have been like, who are you? Because we think we've got the answers and have it all together. Yeah. So that first um, journey of being married was really, it, I was married for um, eight years uh-huh. and it was really a lot of ups and downs, topsy turvy because my, in my mind, so I'm 60 years old. So I'm kind of dating myself. A well, little you here. look beautiful, by the way. I, I do not believe you're 60 years old, but okay. You tell us more. <laughs> and so Julie, I believed when I got married, it was going to be leave it to beaver husband. Mm. It was going to be the Brady Bunch. It was going to be all of these things. Yeah. And I was disappointed, like right out of the gate, you know, because yeah. it, after all, it was my idea. My first husband, he he wasn't really trying to get married. He was in the military. You know, like I said, he was 19. Mm-hmm. I was 21. We were sitting. We had started living together. And one night we were sitting on the couch and I said, hey, you want to get married? 
And he said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's, it's, it's funny to think about it now because you know, in retrospect, right? You're sitting on the couch and you're already living with him. And Mm -hmm. somehow this ideal, like, oh, it's going to be the lever to beaver tomorrow when we get married. Right. And and, and it, it goes through our mind because we're so programmed to see what the quote unquote ideal could be. Right. Yet we don't understand that a piece of paper or the ceremony or the celebration doesn't necessarily change anything, right? The dishes are yeah. still going to be need to be washed and bills are need to be paid and all of that. But yeah, that happens to so many of us. It is absolutely the truth. And so this um, misguided idea that I had, it started out good. Um, I guess the, the great thing was that we didn't have kids right away. Mm-hmm. We waited a few years and we actually were having fun during that period for a while until my husband wanted to hang out with friends. And then I'm like, well, where are you going? You right. know, like you're supposed to be with me 24 seven. Yeah. Cause Mr. And Beaver, I, whatever his name was, didn't go out with his buddies. <laughs> did. And that's what I saw. And so that um, really let me on a trail to start um, becoming depressed. Mm. And actually, you know, I remember, um, and I don't even talk about this in my first book. I remember one night, you know, he wanted he wanted to go out with friends and he was just going to the park, you know, like back then, all the people that were in the military, they met at the park and, they, mm-hmm. you know, like it was like a lot of people at the park and all that. And um, I remember he had um, he had a registered handgun. And I remember being really depressed and I remember taking that gun and running down the alley and him chasing me, you know, just really wanting to hurt myself um, because I was feeling like, you know, this something, you know, this alarms in my head, like something, you know, this is not right. This is not what I imagined things would be. Yeah. But anyway, he turned around and um, ended up getting in some trouble with that handgun. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't him. It was a friend who had used it, but it was his ultimately. So he ended up getting in some trouble Mm -hmm. and we had to actually leave um, San Diego and we moved to Newark, New Jersey. And then once we got there, that is when we started having our children. And so I pretty much lost like all of my identity. I lost my Mm -hmm. smile. I lost the only thing I had was my motherhood. Um, that was the only thing that really made me feel happy and whole. But as far as that cheerleader, that fun girl, right. you know, all of that kind of went out the window. You know, thank you for sharing that. And I think that it, it, it takes a lot to be open and vulnerable when you're going through depression. And it's May. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And what we find is that we all struggle from time to time at different levels, but we never really um, think that can happen to the person sitting next to us. We don't really talk about it. Um, and, you know, we, we, we have to normalize that at times, you know, we are in circumstances that rob us of um, the, the peace of mind. And, you know, we are not able to get past that. And, you know, you, you talk about losing your smile and for yes. someone who, um, 
found that she was kind of fun, go-lucky, and shining star, losing her smile um, must have also started to sort of um, snowball some of the feelings, right? Because you you only had motherhood, and I I wouldn't say only, right? Uh, You had motherhood, and that's a great calling and, and, and a blessing to be able to have that. But how did you deal in the following years? with having lost your smile? It it got progressively worse, quite honestly. So, um, you know, we had our first child and then we had twins. Now, mind you, my husband didn't want kids either. So, you know, like, Mm. you know, each time I got pregnant, he was not happy about it. And so like, that was like another thing, you know, right? Uh, because he ever had already had a child, you know, um, Mm -hmm. prior to, you know, getting married to me. And so, you know, there was times when, for a short period of time, we were homeless. There was mm. times with a short period of time where, you know, there's just so much chaos going on. And then he got murdered. And oh. then I was left as a widow with my three kids, 29 years old. And he died. He was only 27 years old. Wow, I'm sorry. Yeah. It really feels like, you know, that's a lifetime ago, but I am sure that you know, the, the feelings and everything that you were going through as a single mom with young children, um, not 30 yet. And then all of a sudden the person that, because you didn't have a big support system with a family, um, what did you do? What happened next? Julie, I was literally left alone. I mean, none of his family, I mean, it was really bad. I didn't even have money to bury him. I mean, I Mm. did because at the time he was working off and on, you know, Uh so he didn't have any life insurance. I had life insurance at my job, Uh uh, but there was a snafu. So the person who, um, the HR person had gone on leave and she never sent my paperwork (gasps) in. Oh my God. (laughs) So I was left with no life insurance. And the only saving grace was that my husband's father had died a few months earlier that May. Uh Uh, And my husband died on July 13th, uh, Friday the 13th as well. (laughs) And Uh so um, when his dad died, he left him, you know, he was able to, Uh he had some, gotten some money. And so he had bought this car Um, It was a Volvo and I had to go around and try to sell the car. And he had only bought the car like a few months prior to him passing away. And every car dealer, you know how it is, you know, as soon as you drive it off the lot, you know, (laughs) the the value is like cut in half. And so, you know, and the funeral home was telling me, you know, if you don't have the money, we can't bury him. And so I, it was like a race against the clock, even to get the money to even bury him. So it was like a really traumatic time. And I want to just frame this also for the listeners, because I think that, you know, if you already told us how old you are, even though I don't believe you because you're beautiful, (laughs) but um, this is probably not the age of social media. This is probably not the age Uh of GoFundMe. Um, and, and you really became a make your way kind of girl that you had to not only bury your husband, but then you had to also figure out what was next. Once you were able to, you know, bury him, you sold a car, I would imagine what happened next and where did life take you next? Well, I got pretty strong. I've always been a strong girl just from having to be independent and all of that. I actually sued my company Uh um, for the life insurance and I, um, you know, ended up getting that money. 
And um, so then what I decided to, we were living in Newark, New Jersey, and I decided, you know, since I had two boys, I did not want to raise them there. You know, Mm -hmm. I wanted them to have a fair chance. So we moved to Colleen, Texas. Okay. And (laughs) And then I met from New Jersey, from Newark, and having been to both towns, (laughs) I can tell you that they're not very similar, but what made you pick Colleen, Texas? Well, my mother's brother had lived there because he was in the um, army. So he had lived, been living there for quite some time. And I wanted to move somewhere where it would be warm and where I thought that I would at least have the best chance of raising productive young men, mm. young black men. And, so I moved and, and what was, so your children lived there until, uh, or they, do they still live there? And how long were you in Texas? So I moved to Texas. I'm there probably for maybe about a year and some months. And I meet my now present husband of 29 Mm -hmm. years. Wow. Hey, my friend, have you imagined yourself remaining calm, clear-headed, stress-free, and optimistic even in the midst of handling the work and life's challenges that would come our way all the time? Well, I've got news for you. I am hosting a huge masterclass on August 22nd, and it is again on how to boost your mental fitness for your career or your business or your personal life. We all have these challenges that come our way, and it's very important to understand how we can use the tools to create that mental fitness that allows us to have the positive change that we want for our life. So don't lose out on this. Sign up. It's free. The link is in the show notes or go to my website. Talk to you soon. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Now, what was the difference? What was the difference, though? Um, you know, all of a sudden meeting someone new, um, that, and, and obviously, you know, you've been married for 29 years. What was mm-hmm. that like? And how did you well, meet? that took us into a whole nother story because there was a little storm there as well. Um, so we we basically met um, one night. My friend was like, you know, come on and go out with me. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go out with you. And I go out to her to this <laughs> little bar or whatever. And I meet him there. And um, so we just once we start talking or whatever and, you know, seeing each other, we had like a relationship and it just kind of just went from there. And um So then he wanted to move. He was getting out of the military. He wanted to move back here to Kokomo, Indiana. Okay. (laughs) Now, mind you, he had already been married as well. So he already had um, a couple of kids and then I had a kid. So then that's when we tried Uh to blend our families and get married. And that was a whole nother set of circumstances, probably as equally traumatizing as Mm. my first marriage um, because um, of so many things. My stepkids' mom was strung out on drugs. We ended up getting custody of the kids. The family in this little small town took us through the ringer. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. You know, it's it's never, um, it is tough under normal circumstances, even when everybody is kind of on board to blend the family and everybody wants to kind of 
do the best. But when you have challenging circumstances like that, um, it really can take a toll. How were you feeling when it came to your mental health? How were you feeling um, going through all of this? And what was that like um, being the mom now of not only two boys, but now adding additional children and, and, you know, running this family together? It was tough because, well, um, I have twins and then another son. So I have a daughter as well. So I had my two kids Mm -hmm. and then we um, got custody of his two kids and then their sister, their half sister of the mom um, had a baby and the baby was just out there in foster care. We end up adopting, being the foster parent of, of that child and then adopting that child. Wow. And so a lot of scrutiny um, came because um, his ex-wife's family lived here and has a lot of family here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was kind of like, I was a lone wolf really on an island, you know, trying to do the right thing, trying to, because I always liked, I loved kids, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, you know, these kids are not being treated right, bring them on, you know, but it was a lot of challenges, a lot of pushback. I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a lot. And as far as like mental health, so I really did not believe in, I mean, I did, but I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really well supported in like going to therapy until later in life, maybe Mm. in, you know, mid fifties or something like that, when I finally decided to go do that. But um, yeah, so it was really tough just trying to maneuver through all of that, you Mm. know, and it was kind of like, it kind of took a toll on the marriage, um, you know, not really super bad, but you know, I mean, we took some hits. Marriage under normal circumstances it can be challenging. You have two people with different views, opinions, personalities, and then all of a sudden you're coming in and you have um, the addition of children, the, the demands. And then, of course, you know, you had circumstances that were definitely impacting more of what normal people would carry. But um, what an amazing story. What an amazing story of everything that so far you've lived and um, what started to happen and what 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 happened next? So um, my husband and I both worked here in the factory at Chrysler and mm-hmm. we lived a pretty good life. That is one thing I will say about living in this town. I have been afforded to live a great life. Um, we were both supervisors there, but in, in 2008, I took the buyout because, mm-hmm. you know, the economy, we had took a turn. Yeah. And um, then I got depressed again mm. because then I, I was resentful because, you know, my husband still worked there. He was a manager. I was a manager when I left. Right. And so I was a little resentful because, you know, I still did. I didn't have the job anymore. And he mm-hmm. still had the job and, right. you know, so kind of went through that and everything. So then that's what um, put me on a path to, to do something different. So um, I was just working these mediocre jobs, so to speak, or whatever. And then I decided to write my book. Uh, okay. What made you decide to write a book? Because a lot of people, you know, don't go from like you took a buyout for all intents and purposes to, you know, sort of semi-retire and then you were working other jobs. But was there a um, maybe a, an inkling in your heart or is there a moment that you decided like, oh, my God, I have to write a book or what happened that made you want to write that book? 
So when I first moved to Kokomo and we were staying with my husband's grandma, she had these Harlequin novels in her <laughs> room. She had a lot of them and I would pick them up and I would read them. And then in the back of the book, it said, uh, you know, had like a little um, advertisement, like, do you want to write a book? And <laughs> so that had always kind of been in my placed in my head and I would read the, the language in the book and I'd like the words and all of that. And, you know, how they told the stories. And, and I, I thought to myself, you know what, Julie, I could do that. Oh. And I kind of compartmentalized it and had it in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you talked about Facebook and social media and all that mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, you know, back in 2010-ish, you know, I was yep. kind of this you know, getting on Facebook and it made me depressed. And so mm-hmm. one day I was just getting on there, you know, just kind of immersing myself in other people's lives and, right. you know, even feeling even worse than I already did. And, um, I got this download, you know, and I, you know, I'm, you know, I believe in God and everything. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was like, you know, turn the TV off. I got something for you to do. And I actually wrote my book in about six months and it was the best, most free thing that I ever did. And that's when I got my bright light and my voice back and my husband fully supported me. I thought he was going to be mad because the one chapter in my book, when I talk about acceptance, Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to be upset because, you know, I kind of, you know, told some told some family, you know, secrets in that book, you know, mm-hmm. in that chapter. And he fully supported me, which I, I thought, you know, man, if he gets his hands on this manuscript, he's probably going to burn it or tear it up or something, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's when our marriage really took a turn for the better because he's really supported me in my authorship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now he's kind of like my manager. <laughs> Yeah, I love really that. I love that. About it. Yeah. Your husband and my hot. And so I call my husband hash hashtag handsome hot husband. And <laughs> I tell you that writing my book and the process of writing the book, it can be a very lonely process. Although I was talking to people and really trying to, um, you know, make sure that I, I was doing the right research, but it became a very lonely process. And then when I felt stuck, um, I finally, my, I don't know what's next. And and I was working with a publisher. I have a coach and, you know, they've been helping me, but it really came to a point where I needed more. And he's the person that knows me best, honestly. And he's the person that really uh, made the book happen as well. You know, he's the first person that I let. I, I think, yeah, he was the first person I let other than the editor. Okay. The second person that I let read the book. Um, and it really came to a point in which I I was so open to, you know, oh no, what is he going to think? And oh no, he's going to hate that. What, you know, and then all of a sudden just the acceptance, the love, the support. And yeah, he is a partner in my business and he's my biggest cheerleader. And I wouldn't be able to be, do the things that I do if it weren't for him. Yeah, the same. And, and it is such a good feeling too, because you know, it really built up the relationship as far as, you know, the strength of it, because when you Mm -hmm. see your husband walk alongside of you, you know, especially when you have to, um, you know, like, you know, say something, you know, that might not be very flattering about his children and the (laughs) the things that you went through and him, you know, still, you know, knowing that that's true, but you know, no one wants. No one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that again, it's very brave in the sense that in a world in which we, we only show people the highlights of our life to be able to open up and be, um, very, um, 
broken in some ways. So then people are allowed to see our brokenness and and, and our imperfect parts and our and, and the reality that maybe things are not, you know, the Brady Bunch, right? Right. <laughs> so it does take Absolutely. a lot. Um, you know, when you and I spoke and we got to know each other, I, I am doing some research for my second book and you uh, graciously gave me some of your time. And I just felt that your story was so compelling and so amazing. The one thing that I want to revisit that you had said is that, you know, you only had motherhood and you continue to be a mother that doesn't go away, but you're in a different state of your life now. Tell me a little bit about that. So now I am, you know, being an empty nester because I mean, you know, even when I was and, you know, kids went to college or, you know, ones that didn't stayed around and, Mm -hmm. you know, the youngest one went into the military and all of that, my husband and I still were taking care of people. You know, I mean, I was still not an empty nester. So my mother Mm -hmm. came to live with uh, us Mm -hmm. six years ago. And so like, that was a whole nother, um, a whole nother journey, yeah. so to speak, you know, because uh, she and I, uh, we're close, but not as close, you know, as mm-hmm. some mother and daughters are. And so, you know, she, she bought those feelings uh, on me as far as like, you know, feeling like that little bitty child again yeah. and all of that, you know, and stuff. And so um, unfortunately she passed away. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Back in November and my husband had COVID at the same time. So that was like, that was like another double oh whammy gosh. and I thought I was going to lose him at, at the same during that time she didn't pass away from COVID but mm-hmm. she um I think it was just maybe well they said it was natural causes but I mm-hmm. think it was compiled with you know just mm-hmm. you know yeah the sadness and just not wanting to be here anymore that kind of thing oh I'm sorry yeah yeah thank you and so after that um I just said you know I'm I'm 60 you know, and mm-hmm. I want to be that grandmother that's there for my kids. I want to be that person that is finally doing what Benita wants to do, you know, without any mm-hmm. excuse or, you know, now I can't point the finger at anybody. I can't say, well, it's the kids, you know, yeah. or, well, you know, it's my mom or it's, you know, it's this or it's that. Because if it is, it's me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's me stopping me. And so right. now I'm really on a journey to really do what it is that I feel is my purpose. And that is to really reach out, help women be vulnerable, tell the stories, help women that don't have a voice or have Mm. muted their self or been muted by somebody else to really, you know, be, be seen by using their voice. And so that is the journey that I'm on right now. You know, Benita, this is another reason why I, you so resonated with you because I am a true believer that um, there is a purpose that we all have. And sometimes we allow circumstances, we allow our own insecurities, and we allow other people as well to have power and mute us like you talk about. And I think that there is a reason why um, we're put in this earth. We have a gift that nobody else has. And it's important that if you have that gift, that uh, when you don't have the confidence to share it, you find someone like you. Um, to be able to help you unmute yourself. There's a sign behind you and we had talked about that. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, Redeem to Live Life Out Loud. Well, so when I wrote that first book in 2012, um, you know, sometimes you write a book and you have a title and then you have a subtitle. 
And um, remember, I told you that, you know, God kind of just downloaded this book. It was really easy. I talked about the five men that came in my life to teach me life lessons. And because of those life lessons, it caused me to be addicted. I wasn't addicted to drugs, but I was addicted to dysfunction. Mm. You know, that's the name of my book, Addicted to Dysfunction. But then the um, subtitle is Release to Live Life Out Loud. Mm. And so that's what that banner is back there. I have always tried to get to the other side of being addicted to dysfunction. And now I really seem, I really feel like I'm at a place where I can be released to live life out loud. If I want to travel, if I want a grandparent, if I want to, you know, whatever I want to do, you know, I can do it now um, and have that joy and, you know, really invest in myself. I love that. And I think that, you know, we we all get caught up and I and I talk about on the show and even when I'm coaching women or individuals, we get so comfortable with the discomfort of life. Right. We we hate what we're going through, but we sometimes have the power to be able to move from the nail that we tend to sit on. Right. And we just like to sit in the nail because we don't know any different. This is the spot where we're always been. And I love that you're talking about giving ourselves a permission to move away from that and really making it a point to even explore like, oh, what would it be like if I, right, whatever it is and stop living in the dysfunction, the uncomfortable, the messy middle. And and sometimes we have to go through that to get to the other side. Um, but what would you say um, as you're living this life and as you're empowering other women to live out life and their life out loud, what would you want your legacy to be, Benita? I would want my legacy to be impacting as many women in coaching, speaking, and even doing the work with my, um, my daughters and my granddaughters, you know, mm-hmm. just really resonating and leaving that one message, you know, and like that one message of, you know, use your voice, you know, because it is your ultimate superpower, you know, it can take you from being unseen to seen, you know, because we all want to seat at the table, but what we do is we tap ourselves out for one reason or another. And I wanted to tell you about something um, that um, I was listening today to um, TG, T.G. Jakes. I can't, I just couldn't say his name. I'm sorry. T.D. Jakes. Yes. I was listening to him. Um, he had like a service yesterday and I was listening to it on um, YouTube today. And um, one of the ways that I um, tapped myself out of the game over many years is, you know, gaining weight, you know, like uh-huh. and hiding myself. And uh, he said something today that really resonated with me. And this is Um, something that um, I would like my legacy to be in helping people do. Um, So he talked about the other side. Mm. And so something that really resonated with me that he said was on the other side. And so then you put in what the word, what the, what the situation is. So for me on the other side of weight loss is, is where I will find my purpose and my joy. And I will even live life out loud even stronger and better because I'll feel more confident, you know, Mm. and I will want to really show myself instead of hiding myself. And that has been an excuse that I've used over the years too. you know, oh man, I've gained weight. You know, I'm not that, Uh you know, 
that little small little cheerleader, you know, right. I, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I don't like my outfit or and, and all of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm feeling most confident, I'm not worried about how much I weigh. I'm just worried about the impact that I'm making. You know, that that is so powerful because I think that, um, yes, I, I, I believe that there is power um, that comes from having achieved a goal, from having to, you know, say, I, I set that, I wanted to lose weight or I wanted to do this. And there's so much power in being able to do the things that you want. But there's also power in the now and doing our thing and living out loud and, and you know, losing weight doesn't prevent us from living our best life now, being the best mom, being the best wife, being the best grandmother, um, or, you know, not, not being the successful entrepreneur doesn't prevent you from touching the lives of people right now, or not having that promotion doesn't mean that you are not able to be the best person in your job. You, you can and you can decide. And I think that we always have a choice. And when we decide, there's a confidence that we are doing what we're meant to be doing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is such a fun conversation. I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> but tell us a little bit about where can people find you? And if someone is interested in maybe, um, you know, living their life out loud, maybe finding out more about how they can collaborate. You're a ghostwriter, you're an author, you do events. But tell me more how people can connect with you, Benita. Sure. Um, so um, people can connect with me on my website, which is um, www dot the professional coach coaching.com and then also my books can be found on amazon um, all of my books are on amazon and my books are addicted to dysfunction released to live life out loud and then i have uh, go ahead and be braver oh love it and we're going to have all the information on the show notes. So, but I do, I do want to point out that, you know, the best way to um, give Benita some love is to really be able to connect with her. And if this conversation has resonated with you, make sure that you follow her. You're in Clubhouse, so you can be found there, but where else can they find you on the socials? Um, on Instagram and then also Facebook as well and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn. Uh, there you go. Well, yes. you know, we, we, and where do you hang out the most out of all the socials? Um, I would say right now LinkedIn, but I would like to be a little bit more comfortable on Instagram, but I'll get there. Oh, well, come <laughs> hang out in my, in my confident you community. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, Instagram has been my jam. I definitely continue to, you know, help my clients with Instagram. So anytime that you want to come hang out with us, let's do it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Benita, you're amazing. And I can't wait to continue to collaborate with you and see what other amazing things you're doing. And who who knows, maybe I'll be in Kokomo, Indiana, because I need to come check it out. Indianapolis is a great city. And I know that, what is it, two and a half hours from Indianapolis? Oh, no, actually just one. So yeah, you can definitely, we can definitely get together for sure. Oh my God. You're amazing. Well, thank you so much. Will you come back? Absolutely. Yes. Let me know when. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much for visiting Casa de Confidence. And Benita, don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thank you so much, Julie. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, 
go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the purposeful you mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly. Julie's Mastermind.